Storehouse Dallas. So, I was the middle child of three, and at the age of two, my parents separated and then divorced. And I was devastated. I cried all the time. That's what all my relatives told me, because they had to take care of me. Because in that season, my dad stayed up in the Northeast, and I was moved to the Dallas area. And this event broke my mother's heart. It broke her heart so much that she had a nervous breakdown. And they had to put her in a mental institution. And so my heart was broken as a baby in my formative years because I not only lost my dad, but I lost my mother. And I didn't see my mother until almost the age of six. And so my brother and I were bounced around from family member to family member, and I honestly don't even remember seeing my sister either. We finally landed at my grandparents' farm up off of Preston and 380, and we lived there until my grandfather passed away. And, and then my grandmother, with the proceeds of the land, she bought a house in Richardson. So then life was really fun. It was stable. We lived in a safe neighborhood with lots of kids to play with, and that's all you care about when you're a kid, right? And uh, Richardson at that time was a lot like Frisco. You know, everybody wanted to live there, great schools, and life was good. But we didn't know we were poor. You know, who cares if you have shoes? I'd run up and down the neighborhood with no shoes on, and we would play till like midnight. There was very little parental monitoring. You see, my grandmother was a wonderful woman, and I love her dearly. And I appreciate all that she did for me. But she was more like a caretaker. And so she made sure we had some good southern fried cooking every meal. <laughs> we had good, clean, hand-me-down clothes on. And, you know, that we had a relatively clean house to live in. But by the end of the day, she was exhausted. She started this at 70. So now she's with raising three small children. My sister showed up. And so she didn't have the energy or the capacity to nurture us or train us or mentor us or coach us. And I'm going to tell you today that a child needs that. That's something innate that God put within them. So a child is going to find that one way or the other. And I did. My mentor and teacher was the TV. Well... Thank God I lived in the era that I lived in, and we're not going to talk about that time because then you all know how old I am. But TV was wholesome. It was God-fearing. They, uh, they portrayed Christian values and ethics. It was about whole family units. The children honored the father and the mother. Most of the programs were like that. And so that's how I learned how to behave. That's how I learned how to live. But there was a few programs I probably shouldn't have been watching. One of them was called Happy Days. Does anybody remember that one? So that's a 50s program. And it was very, very popular. And we won't talk about Fonzie. But <laughs> what I learned from that was it's okay to kiss every boy in town. It's okay to kiss them at the dance. 
in the car, doesn't matter if it's the front seat or the back seat, and it's, <laughs> and, and it's just okay. It's okay. It's just what you do when you grow up, right? And this is what's training our children today because so many parents aren't home, and I feel sorry for the parents. I feel sorry for the children there's another show that I watched, and it's interesting the Lord really highlighted this. It was called Bewitched. And let me tell you, that lady, that witch, she was beautiful. Oh, I admired her. And they portrayed witchcraft as harmless and even sometimes beneficial. And she would use her powers to handle obstacles and challenges. She would use her powers to, you know, take care of the bad guy and also to expedite things. So this is what got me. You see, I had to help my grandmother clean the house on Saturday. My brother and sister didn't help at all. So Samantha is the actress, right? That was beautiful. She was beautiful. She would winkle her no wiggle her nose and the whole house would be clean in a blink of an eye just like Jesus is going to come in a blink or a twinkle of an eye. And if I could have that power, can you imagine how much playtime I'd get in? So I really, really desired that. I longed for that. I even verbalized that. And I came in agreement with witchcraft. And I, this power, the source of this power is not from God. Will you agree? And so innocently... I opened myself up to witchcraft, to a curse of witchcraft, which negatively affected my life. It brought on sickness. It brought on spiritual dullness and spiritual blindness. And it also opened me up to deception. So I was easily deceived. So let's go to the word. See what the word says about that. Uh, Deuteronomy 18:10. There shall not be found among you anyone who passes his son or his daughter through the fire. That's abortion. Back then, they would sacrifice their children. Even Israelites would do this. And today, they have this solution that burns the baby out of the womb and kills it. Or one who practices witchcraft. Or a soothsayer. Okay, what's a soothsayer? I looked it up. Because that's not a common word that we use. It's a person or a thing that gives the knowledge of the future. Foretelling. Like a fortune teller. Like horoscopes, psychics, um, magic eight ball, mediums, tarot cards, Ouija boards. Communicating with spirit guides and palm reading. This stuff is very dangerous. My friend was a new Christian. And I went to her house and she was playing with the Ouija board. Well, guess who showed up in her room? Is a spirit guide. Oh, but they're a nice spirit guide. So she started entertaining this spirit guide who acted like they were going to help her. It's from the dark side, okay? Then the spirit guide turned on her. Let's move on here. Okay, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. So that would be like a seance or maybe the show Ghost Hunters. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. 
Other scriptures say, in other versions, it's, it's detestable to the Lord. So anyone who does these kind of things, the Lord hates it. And I'm telling you, I did a lot of those. Okay, had the magic eight ball. We did the Ouija boards. We did the horoscopes. I had to repent of all of that stuff. Let's go to Leviticus 19.31. Give no regard to mediums or familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So all of these different facets are part of witchcraft or the occult. So whether it's a medium trying to get knowledge from a supposed dead person, they're not dead. I mean, the dead people are gone. You're not going to see them again. What appears to them is a familiar spirit that knew your dead ancestor. So the Lord's telling us, you're going to be defiled by them. It's going to hurt you. You're going to be demonized and tormented, and you're going to get curses on you if you mess with any of this stuff. So Revelations 21.8, for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral. Okay, that's sex before marriage, and that's sex in marriage with anybody other than your heterosexual spouse. Period, the end. Sorcerers, those are the people that practice witchcraft. Idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Doesn't sound like heaven to me. But I said to the Lord, but I'm not, I repented from all that other stuff that I did, and I'm not practicing witchcraft if I just happen to see some witchcraft on a show you know, or a scene in a movie. And the Lord says, go to Ephesians 5, 11. And this is the scripture. Have no fellowship or associate, is another version, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So unfruitful means it's not beneficial to you. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says to flee or abstain from the appearance of evil, even the appearance of it. So I want to ask you today, what are you programming your mind with? What is training you like what was training me? What are you allowing into your mind and your eye gate? What are you viewing on YouTube, Facebook, TV, movies? What books are you reading? What what news are you watching and how much news are you watching? You see, our, what we see and what we hear influences greatly. You know, there's that saying, you are what you eat. No, you are what you see and what you hear because God created our brains, our minds to be like computers. Computers, the people that invented computers... They were actually copying God's creation, our minds. So garbage in, garbage out. And the word says in Proverbs that the eyes are the windows to your soul. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So it's affecting your emotions and could 
the worldly things that you're viewing and seeing, could they be bending your will more towards the, wor- the world and towards the enemy than towards the things of God? I just wanted y'all to consider that. And I asked the Lord, why do you want me to camp on this? And he said, Sharon, because the days are growing darker and witchcraft is on the rise and the enemy is so slippery and subtle and he is trying everything to captivate your souls and the souls of your children and your nieces and your nephews. So we need to be on guard and we need to be on alert. And it, you might not be doing any of this stuff now, but the Lord wants us to look in the rearview mirror and see if there's any place. Because I had forgotten about the bewitched, totally had forgotten about that show and me idolizing her. So, okay, back to the story, my life. So in junior high, the Lord knew how much I love movie stars, right? Because that's my thing. I could watch TV all the time. There was no uh, controls, you know? So he sent this man to tell us that a movie star was going to be at this church. Oh, well, I was baited right then. So I convinced all the neighborhood kids we're going to church. So we jumped on that bus. We didn't know we weren't supposed to sit on the front row. Everybody else is sitting way back there, but we wanted to see the movie star. We wanted to get as close to the movie star. So his story was so compelling. And he shared about the glitz and the glamour and the fame and the fortune and, and life was great and all the partying. But then his life started falling apart. You know, the wages of sin is death. And you can have all the money in the world and all the popularity in the world, but if you start losing your family, it's not worth it. And so in his distress, he cried out to God, and God rescued him and gave him joy and peace. So then he asked if anybody wanted to know that God to come forward. And so I felt something pulling on me, and so I came. And then said some little prayer. And all I know is the next day, I'm in church. And I was the most dedicated church member. And I was there in the choir. I did the youth group. But the strangest thing is, is that I couldn't understand when the pastor was preaching. It was went over my head. I didn't hear anything he said. I was just waiting to get out of church so I could hang out with my friends. And I liked the singing. I liked that part. Um. But I believe that because of the programming that I had, it gave me a spiritual dullness to not be able to hear him. It was a block. Because not only did I do Bewitched. Oh, there was Adam's Family. Y'all remember that one? The Munsters. And I watched a lot of movies with my brother, and they were horror movies. Now, you guys would laugh at them today because they look pretty cheesy, but we were scared silly. We'd be under the blanket, you know, shaking. And there would be the zombies. There would be the mummies. There would be the vampires. And oh, of course, Frankenstein. And what the Lord showed me about that is that is Satan mocking the resurrected Christ. Because they are the living dead. But they're ugly. So all of those things that I put into me, you know, I ingested affected me, and I couldn't see, and I sure couldn't read the Bible. Boy, that thing, it was a dead book to me. You know, I knew I was supposed to read it, but I couldn't, and it would be so boring, and then I'd fall asleep every time. 
Well, I went on to college, and now you understand, when in high school, I am the goody two-shoe, and everybody knew it. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do anything wrong, because I'm a good Christian girl. So I go to college, and I'm the good Christian girl, right? But everybody around me in the dorm, they're like partying, and they're drinking, and they're being sexually promiscuous, and it was hard. And all I can say is it wore me down. The devil will wear you down. Because all I was around was that. I didn't have a car. I didn't go to church anymore. And it, it was causing me to compromise. And I didn't know the instruction manual. What's the instruction manual? It's the Bible. And the Bible says that if you hide his word, his, his instruction manual in your heart, then you're not going to sin against him. And remember, if we sin against the Lord, you injure yourself. So because I didn't know his, his, the wrongs and the rights and all the things that he says, I didn't know his words of life, uh, I was hurting myself. And it got worse and worse and worse. So um, after college, I'll just go on to after college, I had a friend named Kevin. Now, Kevin was a Christian, you know, and I'm a Christian, right? But he was one of those weird Christians. Like, he was over the top, you know? And he kept begging me to go to this Bible study. And I'm like, I really don't want to go. But he was persistent. So I said, okay, if I go with you, will you not ask me anymore? So he picks me up. I'm a captive audience. Smart move. And, and he said, change of plans. We're going to a concert. Well, awesome. I love music. Well, I didn't like it. We got there. It was so weird, y'all. It was a big sanctuary, kind of like this, all these different sections, and there were no pews. And the people were standing up and clapping. And I thought, how irreverent. And it was packed out. And this guy that's singing, he was cousins with Larry Gatlin. Now, a lot of y'all are so young, you don't know who he is, but he was a famous country western singer. And so Jerry Williams, the artist of Harvest, he had the same pipes, incredible voice, and he had written all these songs. And then um, he would stop after a few songs and speak a little bit, and then he'd start singing some more. And I just wanted to get out of there, but I didn't have a car. So again, I'm a captive audience. And then in the middle of the concert, I'm on this side. He swings around and he goes like that and points right at me. And he said, you're a phony. You're a phony. You call yourself a Christian, but you're just religious. You don't really know God. And I'm telling you, it convicted me. My heart was stabbed to the quick, to the inner being. And I was like, oh my goodness, is there something wrong? And through the whole, the rest of the concert, all I could think about were those words. So at the end of it, the concert, he said, okay, now if y'all need prayer for anything, we're going to have some counselors here that will minister to you. Come on down front. So I knew there was something wrong. And I wanted to go down there, but I had this battle in my mind. Now, Again, some of y'all are too young, but we used to have these cartoons where there was an, a little devil on the shoulder and then a little angel over here. Well, the little devil popped up, and he said, Oh, Sharon, you can't go down there. 
people are going to think you're not a Christian. Oh, no. They'll think you are in some deep, dark sin. Or maybe you're on drugs. And I was like, oh, no, I can't go down there. I can't go down there. No. I'm too worried about my reputation, right? But then the angel pops over here and says, Sharon, do you know anybody here? I'm like, no, just Kevin. Do you care what Kevin thinks? Not really. So the angel won. So I go down front, and I'm standing there, and so does everybody else. I was like, oh, my goodness. There's like 100 people down here, and they have two or three counselors. I can do the math. I'm leaving. (laughs) And I started to turn around, and this guy comes up to me, and he said, he's the counselor, one of the three, right? And he said, you've been on my heart all night, and and I've been praying for you. And I'm thinking, what kind of line is that? I thought he was hitting on me. That's where my mind was at. (laughs) But he really was a man of God, and he had been praying for me all night. So we go to this back room where they're going to minister to everybody. And lo and behold, he starts reading my mail. What does that mean? He knew the matters of my heart, just like Jesus did over and over again when you read the New Testament. He said, I hear the Lord say that you need to repent of pride. You think I just had a pride episode a few minutes ago? And I hear the Lord say, you need to repent of love of money. I'm I'm thinking, well, if you were as poor as I was growing up, I didn't tell you all about the groceries. We didn't have a car. We had to go to the store and get the grocery cart full and bring the grocery cart home. So, yeah, I might like money a little bit, but it's a sin. And then he just kept rattling more and more and more things off. And I thought, there's no way this guy is going to know this stuff. God is speaking to him and through him, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he said, all right, tonight's your night. This is the time. You know, I'm not going to make you do anything, but if you want to get right with God, then I'm going to pray with you. But you have to repent of each one of your sins, and you need to ask Jesus to be your Lord, not just your Savior. And so I prayed with him, but he wouldn't lead me in a prayer. I had to pray on my own, and I said prayer. I don't know. I think it sounded stupid, but God heard my heart, and it's all about your heart. And after I prayed, I felt this huge weight come off of me, And I felt so clean, and I felt so much joy. But most of all, what I found was love. I felt love. I experienced love for the first time in my life. I didn't have a father's love. But now I had my heavenly father's love. On that day, March 13th, 1984, I met my true love. I met, I met love. And it forever changed my life. I did a complete 180. And when I left the concert, this, uh, Jerry Williams, who's the lead singer, comes up to me and he said, oh my goodness, your countenance, it's changed 
It's amazing. You've been transformed. And that's how I felt. Then he hands me his card. I could call him anytime, so I felt special. And then Kevin drops me off. So when I come in the house, you're excited. You want to always go look at your answering machine. All right, so they're in museums. Um, but I, so I had a message. I'm like, oh, I wonder who it is, because you didn't have caller ID back then. So I play the answering machine back, and this is what it said. Congratulations, for you know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See you in heaven. I, I, I call Kevin, and I'm telling him about it, and he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, listen. Now, you could actually do that. You could have them listen. He, I played the whole message back to him. He goes, Sharon, that was an angel. Oh, you think so? But then I started doubting, and I'm like, oh, no, no. I'm way too logical for that. It couldn't have been angel. I'm too practical. I know. God gave that guy all that intel about me. He gave him my telephone number. So I prayed and asked the Lord. Okay, I want to know. You got to show me. Was this an angel or was it that guy that I don't even remember his name? So the Lord answers my prayer. I go to the mall about a year later. And this guy's from East Texas. I run into him. Don't know his name, but we remembered each other. I shared my story and he starts laughing. And he said, that was not me, Sharon. That was an angel. And I played that over and over and over again until it broke. And it helped me. It helped me to know that if I died, I was going to heaven and I was really a child of God, that my name was in the Lamb's Book of Life, that the angels are going to open when you die to see if your name's in there. So I... Um, I knew... Not just then, but when I prayed that, that night, a Friday night at the concert, when I prayed, I knew that I was going to heaven. But I want to tell you that I also knew something else. I knew that before that concert, if I had died in a car wreck, that I would not have gone to heaven. I knew it. And I, I know that there are a lot of people like I was out there that are phonies, that are religious, that think they're going to heaven. They've said some prayer, and they think they have their ticket stamp. So where does that say that in the Bible? Let's go over to Matthew 7, 22. Not everyone who says to me, now this is Jesus talking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, But Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not attended church every Sunday? Have we not taught Sunday school? Have we not fed the poor and clothed the homeless? Have we, not, have, we, have we not believed in the virgin birth and the Easter story? And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. What does the word knew mean? You go and look at that. It means be in, 
an intimate relationship like between a husband and a wife. Let's go to Luke 14, 33. Unless you surrender all to me, giving all you possess, you cannot be my disciples. And so this is not saying you have to give up all your stuff. What the Lord is saying, all you possess, your family, your reputation, and your friends. You see, when I really gave my heart to the Lord and had a true conversion, I gave up my family. I lost family members. They wouldn't talk to me. I lost all my friends. And I didn't care about my reputation. But it was worth it. It was so worth it. I finally found true love and true peace. I was never happier, never in all of my life. So some people might say, okay, Sharon, but God honored your prayer when you were a teenager. You felt the pulling of the Holy Spirit. You were just backslid. Well, that's plausible. So let's talk about that. There are a lot of incidents in the Bible where people that backslid. Uh, there was Saul. Remember King Saul? I don't think he turned out so well. He was a man of God, and then he slipped away. Then you had all Samson. Man of God doing great exploits, but he repented when he, after he fell away and he was lusted, lust and the pleasures of this world pulled him away, he returned to God. And then you have other examples of Judas who betrayed Jesus. Well, he was, you know, one of the disciples, but he fell away and I don't think you're going to see him in heaven. And then, of course, Israel, they backslid over and over and over again. So let's go to Matthew 24, 7. Just, I want to give you some, you know, scriptures to back up what I'm saying. This is Jesus talking. Then many will stop following me and fall away. He didn't say a few. He didn't say some. He said many. Many. So they knew him, and now they don't know him. And then you've got Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. It talks about tasting of the Holy Spirit, the sweet Holy Spirit, and falling away. Then 1 Timothy 1, 20. Um, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's talking about two believers, Hymenaeus and Alexander, who have fallen away. I have delivered them over to Satan to be rid of them. So when you fall away... It's not going to go well with you because you're going to be delivered over to Satan. And then it, in John 15, we won't go there, but it talks about Jesus being the vine and we're the branches. And it said, but if you separate yourself as a branch and you disconnect from the vine, then you're useless. And all these branches that do that are gathered up and they are thrown in the fire to be burned. Sounds like hell to me. So, anyhow, um, there's more of my story, and I'd love to tell you how I got filled and immersed with the Holy Spirit, and it was transformational, and how much I actually started loving to read the Bible, and I, you know... A lot I've left out as far as my life story. But these are the things the Lord wanted me to challenge you with today.
because I want you to learn from my mistakes and the things that I did wrong so you don't have to go through all the heartache that I've gone through in my life. So I want to challenge each one of you today. Do you have a genuine relationship with the Lord? Are you intimately acquainted with him? Or are you a phony? Are you just being religious? Did you just say a prayer and think you're going to go to heaven? And then there's others I want to challenge you because I feel like the enemy has been pulling you away. You've kind of slowly been drifting away, and it's so subtle. And the things of this world have been pulling you away from him. It's usually the pleasures that pull you away. And then I also want to challenge everyone here about what we are viewing, what we're putting into our computers, what programming are we watching, what are we programming our minds with, what's influencing us in these days. Are we filling ourselves more with things of the world than the things of the kingdom of God? And the Lord said, Sharon, I want to get my people on the right track this next, for this next year. So he wanted to do business today. Because we all want to start out with a clean slate. So um, I feel like everybody's supposed to stand right now. And I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. And um, I, I hear the Lord say that he's calling you. He's calling you because he loves you. And he wants to spend eternity with you. And he's calling you back to him. He's calling you into a deep love relationship with him. And the Lord is calling you to lay some things down. The Lord is calling you to let go so that you will not drift away from him. And the Lord is calling you to repent. If there's anything that's gotten in the way of your relationship with him or anything that you've ever done that is not pleasing to him. So if the Lord is dealing with you in any of these areas, I want you to come down front. I want you to come down front and let us pray for you. And don't be like me, the person that had the pride and was so worried about what other people thought. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Lord God Almighty, will only strive with man so long. He will only give you so many opportunities, and then the door will be shut. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give 
or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.